Rita Rudner, one of my favorite comedians, says, Halloween was confusing. All my life, my parents said, never take candy from strangers. And then they dressed me up and said, go beg for it. (laughs) It is a confusing time for sure. Halloween has taken on a scary vibe. We have so many good neighbors, but they've got the creepiest decorations in their yards. And I get scared every time I walk, and that's in the daytime. So the movie that we're looking at today, Coco, talks about a topic that is so very scary, and we don't like to talk about it, we don't like to think about it, but Coco shows us that we don't have to be afraid of death. It takes us into a culture that celebrates what is called, and I can't pronounce it very well, I'll just say the English version, the Day of the Dead. Anybody really good with Spanish? Thank you. Do you want to come up here and say it in the mic? Come on up here. You can, I'll take my mic off. Dia de Muertos. That is so good. Thank you. I feel so uneducated and uncultured. So, the Day of the Dead... And a lot of people think of the Day of the Dead as something similar to the United States version of Halloween, but really they're very different. They've got some similarities in that they've got costumes and parades and a lot of food. Well, Halloween just more candy than anything else. I don't know if that's going to be called food. But on the Day of the Dead, the idea is that the line separating the spiritual world from the natural world is, just disappears. And so all of the spirits that have gone before come back to the natural world. And uh, those who are on this side of that now disappearing line throw them a gigantic party. And it's just a fun, fun time. And Coco, the movie, is built around this celebration of those who have gone before the Day of the Dead. And here's kind of a compilation of what's involved in the Day of the Dead celebration from the movie Coco. I really like that holiday better than Halloween. I think I'm going to change my entire practice for the next uh, several years that I'm here. So the idea, the Day of the Dead, is a blend of Mesoamerican and Spanish culture and European Christianity culture. And they celebrate this from October 31 through November the 2nd. And, you know, as we saw in the video, people set up the candle lights, and we have some of those here, uh, so that the departed can find their way back home. And we have a big feast, because that's a long journey, maybe, and the spirits may be hungry, and we can't do anything without food, so we, we have food. And then they set out things on tables that remind them of the uh, person who has died. And thank you so very much for those. We had this idea, one of our staff members, I think it was Whitney yesterday, had the idea of asking you all to bring a photo of someone in your life that has died that is so special to you. And that's what we see on this front table. Thank you for contributing. And Denise and I put together our own little altar right here of things that uh, remind us of That's her grandparents and their other granddad, and this is my mom and dad. And this guy here is Dr. Toller. He passed about a year, two years ago, and uh, he was the my professor at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth. And the guy that really helped Denise and me uh, when I left my previous church and 
before I came to the venues or started the venues, uh, make my spiritual theological transition, so to speak. He really guided me on that, and I honor him today. And these are things that my mom and dad, every night they had popcorn. They could go through bags and bags and bags of popcorn. My dad loved to wax his car, and he was a woodworker, shoe spoon that he made. And, and I've got a book here that belongs to, uh, I think this belongs to my, uh, my grandpa Wright, Reverend Clarence A. Wright. He's got the prettiest handwriting I've ever seen. And this book belongs to my grandpa Murdoch, my mother's dad, who's also a reverend, and uh, Reverend Willis Murdoch. So these are things that um, we just very hurriedly done. And I, I think there's so much value in this, and I, and I feel so much more value in doing uh, the celebrate this time of the year, something like this, rather than walking around my neighborhood getting scared. Now, I love the Snickers and everything. I can't eat them anymore, but I love them. And so maybe we can throw a few candy bars on there at all. But when I, when I think of the Day of the Dead, and it all started a, a few years ago when I first saw Coco, that Coco helped me have a new, um, maybe a healthier version and health, healthier view, I should say, of death. Because the fact of the matter is, I don't like death. I, I did three funerals, conducted three funerals this week, one Thursday, one Friday, and one yesterday. And the one yesterday was for a 15-year-old kid who died by suicide. And it just absolutely breaks my heart. And uh, the funeral home parlor was just, the chapel was packed with uh, grieving people who have the question, why? And uh, Paul writes in the Christian scripture that death is a final enemy. And those of you who have stood before uh, a coffin know that. And he also uses the metaphor of uh, stinging. If you've ever been stung, you know exactly the pain. And the good thing about a sting is that it does heal. Uh, and maybe that's what Paul was trying to help us understand. But my gosh, it hurts. And the hurt lasts a long time. But this celebration of the Day of the Dead shows me Maybe another way, to, uh, another way to look at death. It originated several hundred years ago with the Aztec and the Toltec and, and other peoples of that uh, era and of that land. And it was to these people of that land, it was considered, who considered mourning the dead disrespectful. I'm not sure if I really buy that because I mourn the loss, but I do learn from that they consider it disrespectful because it's their view that the dead are not dead. Their bodies are gone, but they're still very much alive. And so it's a celebration of their life. For these pre-Hispanic cultures, death was just a natural phase of, of, the, of life's continuum. And I like that view of that so much. And we are freaked out about death. We don't like to talk about death at all. Uh, back, go back with me to 1971 when a little coffee shop opened up in Seattle. Maybe you've heard of it. 
Probably so, because there are 34,000 of them around the globe. And people enjoy their iced coffee and their lattes and uh, other versions and their uh, bagels and other snacks. And they like free Wi-Fi and they like the comfortable atmosphere to, just to sit in there and visit. It's a comfortable, relaxing, uh, good place. What we don't have much of is what is called the Death Cafe. The Death Cafe started in 2004 in England, and I don't think it's spreading there very, spreading very fast. We don't have one in southwest Missouri yet. But Death Cafes are places where people gather and they eat cake and drink tea, and they talk about death. Maybe we do need a death cafe to help us remember and to help us face our own mortality. And as I face my own mortality, I have a tendency to live a better life. And maybe that's a healthy thing. But we live in a very much of a death-denying culture. We focus on youth, and so we have all these products that will slow the aging process. And I don't just use a face moisturizer. I use a death-defying or age-defying moisturizer. Just stop this aging process. And yeah, the process is more than what any moisturizer can do for me right now. But maybe we need to be more like children. I like what this dad said. When our older daughter was four, it seemed like she was asking us about death constantly. These questions were apropos of nothing, we hadn't had a death in the family or lost a pet. What was jarring was her matter-of-fact tone. We'd be sitting at dinner, and she'd ask a barrage of questions in a completely neutral voice. When are you going to die? Is Grandma going to die first because she's old? And on and on. I tried to calmly match her tone and answer her honestly, but sometimes you just want to eat your salad without contemplating your own mortality. <laughs> and the children... Uh, the service I did Friday was of a man who was 69, three years older than I, and his granddaughter was there. And I, she was such a personable little girl, and I had met her in the home prior, and so I just visited with her as a part of my funeral message. And her honesty and her innocence and her ability to grasp a mystery uh, just spoke to me volumes. And I love how these children uh, lead us in some of these complex situations. A nine-year-old uh, was told that her grandfather died. Well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> His body didn't look like it would last much longer. I learned from the Day of the Dead and from kids that really death is just a part of life. And I also learned, and I hope you will allow this to soak into your soul, death is not the end of life. Death is the change of life. And the Day of the Dead is such a beautiful celebration of that fact. It celebrates that life continues. I know death seems so final, because the person's gone. When I visited with the, the parents of the 
15-year-old who died by suicide. We were sitting in their kitchen at a, uh, their table, and I just went to a chair, and they went to two other chairs, the mom and dad, and during the conversation, the dad said, you're sitting in uh, Cameron's chair. And he said, uh, it's going to be hard to see that chair empty. And it was kind of a holy moment. And I reached out and held her hand and held his hand. And there were no words to say. There was just a shared grief. And it felt like an enemy had come in. And they were aching from the sting. And then I go to the Day of the Dead celebration, and I go to spirituality, and I even go to science. And science and spirituality tell me, inform me, that death is not the end. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 that the body is like a seed, and when you plant the seed in the dirt, uh, from that seed will grow a new form of, the, of, of life. And my body will be planted in the dirt sometime, and from that will, be, will grow a new way of life. Life is not ended, the Catholic preface to the funeral liturgy says. Life has not ended. It is merely changed. And I love that about that liturgy. I, I brought with me, I think it's up here somewhere. Yeah, right there. Uh, uh, my Snoopy glass filled with ice cubes, and it didn't melt yet. But if I waited for two or three hours, I guess, I'd come back, and there would be no more ice cubes. There would be a, a glass of water. And I could say, well, the ice is gone, and it is, but the H2O is still there. That's very simple-minded for me. But maybe right now my body is just an ice cube, and my dying is the melting away of the body. But I'm still there. I just have a different form. I don't know what that form will be. I don't know what that shape will be, but I just know the water is as real as the ice. And uh, I think that what is true of Dr. Toller and mom and dad and uh, Mame and Elmer Mitchell, it's true of Skittles. Yeah. I love that. And I love that Paul writes that, yes, it is a, is an enemy and it's a sting, but remember, your body is a seed, and it will grow into, into a new life. When, and science tells us through science, scientists who are studying near-death experiences and scientists who are, who are in the world of physics and quantum physics, they tell us that the brain and the mind are not the same thing. And the brain dies, but the mind goes on. Maybe we call the mind the soul, the spirit, I don't know. 
But the brain can die and the mind can just continue to go on. Everything comes and everything goes and then everything comes back again. We're in the fall season, obviously, such a beautiful fall season we're having. And it's, what we're seeing right now is the process of dying. As the leaves fall from the trees and Snoopy says, well, the first falling leaf of the season, the first leaf to make the courageous leap, the first leaf to depart from home, the first leaf to plunge into the unknown, the first leaf to die. And that's the nature. Everything falls into the earth and dies. And then it comes back in another form. My body will go into the ground or it'll go into a razorback urn. What are you going to do with it, niece? <laughs> we haven't talked about that yet, have we? Blue pig, thank you. We did win, finally. <laughs> and so my body will be gone into the ground or somewhere. But me, I will continue in some eternal presence. And that's an encouragement to me. So what that tells me is that I don't have to be afraid of death. I can trust death. Maybe I'm not really afraid of death. I'm just afraid of dying. I don't want to go through the process of dying. And so this helps me so much that death is not to be feared. It is just a transition. Helen Keller said, death is no more than passing from one room into another. But there's a difference for me, you know. Because in that other room, I shall be able to see. Coco, to me, illustrates these themes. We want to be remembered after we die. Hector says, if there's no one left in the living world to remember you, you disappear from this world, but you can change that. You know, this is so sad. Experts tell us that unless we're famous or infamous, we're probably going to be forgotten in three generations. That's really sad. We don't want to be forgotten. The fear of being just, of just disappearing from people's hearts is a scary thought. We want to be remembered. And we want to be remembered well. We don't want to be remembered like the counselors to Job. All memory of their existence will fade from the earth. No one will remember their names. The womb forgets him. The worm feeds on him no longer. This is just a really happy book in the Hebrew scripture. No longer will he be remembered like a tree. Wickedness will be broken down. No one will remember their names. And there's a little bit of a lesson in that because he's talking about wicked people, unjust people, unkind people, that they will be forgotten. So maybe the opposite will be true. That if we're kind, that kindness will linger on. So I don't want to be forgotten. And, and when I am remembered, I want to be remembered well. And Hector tells us, you can change that. You, 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 you can right now change how you will be remembered and that you will be remembered. I love what Paul writes to the people that lived in Philippi. I thank my God every time I remember you. It would be great if when we're gone that every time somebody remembers us, they're thankful for us. 
instead of, oh, I'm glad he's gone. I thank God every time I remember you. The Hebrew scripture says, we have happy memories of the godly, but the name of the wicked person rots away. Yeah. Another lesson I learned from Coco, we want to feel close to those that have died. We really do. Our relationship has remained, but it's changed, obviously. But it's still there. And objects like we have here and that you have in your home that you may set out, just one or two, might give you a sense of that closeness. One parent said this about their son. Every time we have to go over the whole death thing, Noah always says over and over as if he's trying to convince himself, no one ever really dies. Nope, misspelled there. No one ever really dies because they live in our hearts always. Smart Noah. From a school teacher, she said, I overheard one of my first grade students say, I think that we should remember Nana's death today with granola bars during snack time. Nana really loved granola bars. So I think it's a good idea maybe tomorrow, you know, if you want to add this to your Halloween festivities, just fix something that your loved one who has died liked and just enjoy that and think about them tomorrow. Yeah. What are we going to have for breakfast tomorrow, niece? That mom and dad liked or that popcorn for breakfast. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, back when I was a kid, young, young kid, mother would iron all day long. She had iron and watch as the world turns. <laughs> and there's always a, a bottle of Pepsi Cola on the ironing board. And uh, I'd like to get a bottle of Pepsi tomorrow. Diet, but I'll get it. What can you do to sense that closeness to the one that you love? And that you, in a sense, have lost. Let's watch this uh, group of students led by a teacher create what we've created here today. And they put it on TikTok video. Take a look. I just think it's the sweetest thing. And uh, I think the future of Halloween's probably, Denise and I will focus on giving candy to the kids who come to the door. We love that. But I think we'll make an altar. And I can't pronounce the Spanish for altar either. Do you want to do that one too? Ofrenda or something like that? Ofrenda, thank you. And it's the word offering. It's the, the giving. We make an altar or an offering. And these are, an, it's an altar of remembering. And I think it's a healthy thing for us to do. Just a few weeks ago, on October 17, at the age of 109, lady who's called Mama Coco died. She's the inspiration for the character in the Pixar movie. Her mannerisms, her tone of voice, her uh, way she speaks, all served as a, a pattern for the character in the movie. And she died just a few days ago. She had COPD diagnosed in 2015 
it made me kind of feel good about my own case because I've got COPD, and she lived to 109, but she was only diagnosed in 2015, so that's just seven years. So I don't know what that means for me. Hopefully I'll make it to 109. The truth of the matter is death is real, even for Mama Coco. And it's real for us. So live to be remembered well. And remember well those who have gone before. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for love. I thank you for the message of the Hebrew Scripture and the Christian Scripture and other religious traditions that speak of kindness and love that goes on and in our connection with the divine and our connection with each other. For those today who are hurting while they are remembering, I ask for surrounding of their hearts with your presence and with the presence of that person. And may they feel as close to that person as if that person were in the chair beside them. Thank you for that life continues. And we entrust our lives to you. In the name of Christ, all over this universe, I pray. Amen.